Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, and hopefully there's a bunch of happy hunters out there because you had some success on uh, opening weekend. This is actually the Friday before, so the day before opening day of archery season. I'm, I'm trying to get everything done with the podcast to release on Tuesday so that I've got the weekend to hunt, and we've got two hunts planned. Jacob and I are going out to Grandpa's farm on Saturday evening, and then uh, we've got, we got we did get drawn for one of the parks hunts, so we're going to go do that Sunday. So hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, maybe you've seen some posts on some successful hunts or some failed hunts. We'll see. If you weren't successful and you're maybe looking for a lucky charm, I would encourage you to go to our website, OhioHuntsman.com, and check out some of our apparel or some of our decals. I've been told by many a people that uh, they're a good luck charm, so maybe it'll work for you, maybe it won't, but if it doesn't, you still get a cool shirt or uh, a cool decal out of it, so maybe give that a look and give that a try. So this episode is a, is maybe a little late, maybe not. Uh, we talk about hunting small game without messing up your your deer hunting so we're already into the beginning of season small game seasons have been open already how do you hunt small game without messing up your deer hunting you know people talk you hear a lot of people talk about oh you got to stay out of the woods stay out of your hunting property you're going to blow all the deer out of there yada 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 right so how do you enjoy the outdoors either before deer season comes in or during deer season, but you know, you just want to go squirrel hunting versus deer hunting or, or whatever the, the case may be. So how do you have your cake and eat it too, I guess, basically is, is what we talk about on this one. So what sort of prompted this one is we, you know, we recently did a, a dove hunt out at our grandpa's farm and you know, those are the same woods and, and areas that we deer hunt. And so how do you how do you do both? How do you not mess up your deer hunting but still enjoy some small game hunting? So that's what we talk about on this one. Hopefully it's helpful. Hopefully you guys find some tips in there and hopefully you enjoy the episode. Before we get into that, I want to talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. So they are the newer of our two sponsors. They've been with us for a while now, but we're really looking forward to using some of the Mastin's products this fall. So they're a, a premium deer scent product, premium deer scent company. Prices are awesome. You guys have heard me talk about that stuff before. But what I really like about Mastins is it's not just your typical scent in a bottle or scent in a jar, right? They've got scented gel crystals. They've got what they call their double scent stacker. So you put a scented candle a deer scented candle or they've got a bunch of different scented candle flavors scents if you will you put it down in the bottom of this cylinder you light the candle and then above it you put a tray it's got a tray of liquid scent and so hence the name scent stacker you can you can layer scents right so you can have a they have a they have a scent that's that's called smell like a deer and you could also have their their fighting mad scent and you can kind of layer things the candle heats the scent so it disperses better 
maybe you know maybe makes it more realistic i don't i don't know the science behind that I, I, you know but it seems like a warm scent would carry better it's like the if, if you've ever been or if your wife's ever been to and i don't even know if these are still a thing but the the scentsy parties right it's a it's got a little light bulb inside and then you put a um like a wax puck or a wax cube in the tray and it melts and then the scent disperses throughout your house sort of like a candle without the flame this one is a scented candle with a liquid scent on top you can layer scents and so i guess what i'm getting at is they've got different product right it's not just liquid scent they have liquid scent and you can use it how you know the same ways you always use liquid scents for for um scent drags and hanging scent wicks and all of that stuff but they've also got some of these other more unique options so i just wanted to talk about them for a minute and now we're going to get into the episode Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? So what have you guys been up to? Jeff, you just got back from vacation, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I uh, broke my uh, squirrel gun. You broke your squirrel gun? That wasn't a vacation I, thing, was it? No, no. That was I. the day after I came home. I went out and just for a little short walk in the woods and dropped the gun and the scope busted off of it. So, so the, that was the fun. gun broke or the scope no. mount broke? Uh, a little bit of both. Oh. Sort of. Like, uh, so it like the, chipped the dovetail or whatever where yes, it mounts? Yes. Okay. And also, yeah, I don't know how it happened exactly. But yeah, it chipped the dovetail and kind of bent the the mount off you know like bent it out so that it the scope could pop off so is it is it foobard or is it going to be fixable i mean it it's going to be fixable i i'm probably i don't know probably should invest in a better scope really yeah like because it's just a cheap tasco scope but it, okay. it got the job done you know i didn't really need anything fancy. Yeah. But I got a I got a scope for sale. It's a um scope that came off my thirty out six when I bought it that it's one of those like rocker scopes and it doesn't shoot straight. So you can buy that from me. <laughs> It'll give you a heck of a deal on it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's just a terrible design because like I'm, I'm it'd probably be fine on a twenty two. But it, because it's that rocker scope, the recoil from the thirty out six moved it. It moves. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like it, it doesn't lock tight enough when it locks down onto the dovetail or whatever the scope mount. It you can like it moves. You can move it. 
Because it's got a it's got a like a hinge mechanism yeah. in it to where you can yeah. roll the scope out of the way right. and use the iron right. sights. Yes, yes, and whatever and that that hinge mechanism is like worn out or loose or something. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, it doesn't just like fall open. It's just it doesn't lock down absolutely tight enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, like I said, for a twenty two, if you don't bump it around, it probably would be fine. But the recoil from the thirty out six. It would never repeat because it would yeah. move. But yeah. I don't know. Like I'm down to my uh, last little bit of deer jerky. I I discovered a, a few more packs, three more packs in the bottom of my freezer. So I'm uh, I'm feverishly consuming my last little bit of deer jerky because it just feels like bad juju to go into into deer season with with jerky left over from last year. I don't know hmm. if that. <laughs> So I'm uh, eating deer jerky, getting ready to, you know, clearing the freezer out, crossing the fingers that I'll be filling it back up soon. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do because I um, grossly overestimated. I have lots of deer meat left, so I planned on making a lot of jerky and I just never did. So I like have a bunch of one pound ground packs and I shouldn't say a lot, but I don't know. No time like the present. Yeah, twenty or so, but um, I'll have more jer- jerky professionally made this next time. Because even though I like making it, it just—it's like making beer. It just takes all day. <laughs> yeah, it's another another thing on the to do. Right. Yeah. That's why I was late to the call. I was pressure washing my house, and then Lindsay came out, and she's like, "You know, it's quarter after, and you have a podcast at five thirty. I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I'm soaked head to toe. <laughs> Nice. I was like, oh, crap. So then I got to clean up and get changed. and Then Skype wouldn't work. So. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well. Did I, did I tell you guys about the, the hunter access at in the national park? In Out in Colorado? Yeah. No. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so Rocky Mountain National Park butts up to some national forest land and they actually had opened up uh roads you know that are typically closed to the public so that you could basically drive to a parking lot closer to the national forest and then hike to the national forest to hunt oh like hike through the national park to the national forest to hunt. So you're allowed to carry a firearm on the park grounds, but not hunt. Is that? Yeah. I mean, these people, I mean, it was bow season. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, they were, I mean, yeah, they were hiking with bows and I mean, there's big, there's big signs basically telling you like telling other guests that like if you see anyone hunting in the national park you know please report it right you know so but yeah it was pretty cool uh you know because i've known people that have had uh you know access to property adjacent to Cuyahoga valley and they basically told those people no you know and in no uncertain terms, can you walk across our property to hunt? 
Oh, okay. And I mean, I'm also assuming that they're allowing those people to bring their game if they were to harvest back through the park. Yeah. Which I don't think you're allowed to do. Like, you know, because we've we've hunted adjacent to the national park, Cuyahoga Valley, and they, you know, said call before you, you know, you have to call the ranger and they have yeah. to accompany you to go track your game. So. Right, right. Yeah. But well, that's interesting. I thought that was cool. Yeah. yeah. So what we were going to talk about today, so if you guys have been listening, we, we did a dove hunt. So we, we've done some small game. Jeff's been, as he mentioned, he's been out with his squirrel gun doing some squirrel hunting. So we've been doing a little bit of early season small game hunting. And so we got to talking about how do you not mess up your deer hunting with small game hunting, early season small game hunting. So we thought we'd have a chat about it, see what uh, we can come up with, some ideas on on how to do both. You know, we kind of like to be, I mean, we're, we're deer hunters, but, you know, we kind of, like to be generalists and do some small game hunting and, and get into other things as well. And so how do you, um, uh, I guess, have your cake and eat it too? So basically, who, you guys have, uh, did, you, did you jot any notes down or should I start with one? I got a couple that I, a couple key points I, I, that I thought of that uh, we can talk about. Well, my most helpful tip now, this isn't an early season small game hunting tip, but it's the best time to hunt rabbits is after deer season. Rabbit season goes another three weeks or four weeks after deer season. And if you hunt them then, then you're not really ruining any deer hunts because deer season's closed and the deer are going to filter back in plenty of time for next season. Yeah. that So that was one of mine that I had written down here is just do your small game hunting after you've got your deer. You know, after you filled your freezer with deer meat, then switch over to, to small game. So I think that's a, that one's pretty simple. Anybody can do that one, right? As long as you've uh, got property or you can, you know, public's a different story, right? It, you know, it might... Uh, I don't know. Public's it. Public's public, right? You know, you got other other things to contend to with public land. But that brings me to one of my other ideas here: is do your small game hunting on public ground. You know, find a find a public place to hunt near you. Do your small game hunting on public, and do your deer hunting on your properties that you have private access to. You know, farms or if it's your own property or whatever. That way you're not trouncing through the woods doing small game hunting in, you know, September and uh, pushing a bunch of deer out of the woods so that there's nothing around come bow opener or, or, you know, whenever you start hunting each year. Yeah. Or just do your small game hunting on the more heavily traveled. You know, if you all you have is public, do your small game hunting on the more heavily traveled public. Right, and then the less traveled public that you have, you know, deer hunt there. Right, on on the heavily traveled public land. I mean, if you're not out there hunting, someone else is. So, 
you might as well get out there and do what you want to do as well. Yep. And so that kind of uh, brings me to my next point is if you've, you know, like Jeff mentioned, if it's public or if it's private, if you have a big enough chunk of private, right, you can you can kind of hunt different parts of the property, right? Like uh, a lot of times, you know, I'm thinking like squirrel hunting, right? Deer kind of like that early successional habitat, that young forest, um, that CRP, right? They, they like edge, whereas squirrels, they like mature hardwood timber, right? So they're, they're a little bit different habitat. So if you've got a chunk of your property that's good, mature, closed canopy hardwoods, that's probably a good squirrel spot. And that's not to say that you, you wouldn't see a deer in there, but there's, there might be other areas on your property or other areas on public ground that are better deer hunting and versus areas that are better for say squirrel hunting. So you can kind of, again, if you have a big enough chunk of of private, right, you can kind of break the property up into, yep, this area over here is, um, hardwood timber that's a good squirrel spot i'm going to squirrel hunt over there and i'm going to stay out of this you know overgrown brushy bottom because that's better whitetail habitat and that i mean that's obviously very uh property specific right like your property has to lay out that way or you know and there's other things to take into consideration right you know maybe you 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 squirrel hunt where the wind is blowing away from the area where, you know, you think the deer are going to be, right? Because even if you're not going in there, maybe you sense someone in there and it's making them a little nervous and they might move on to the neighboring property or, or whatever the case may be. So it's a little bit property specific. And if your property lays out like that, if your property is big enough to do that, but I could definitely see some scenarios. I can envision some scenarios where that's a possibility, right? You've got hardwoods and you know, a, a sort of a better whitetail area. You guys have any thoughts on that? For me, it's basic. I mean, just kind of agreeing with you, I guess. Make sure you're not small game hunting in the bedding area. Um, you know, I mean, without taking for granted that everyone knows, I guess, how to identify a bedding area, but typically it's your thicker, overgrown places where the deer can kind of get out of sight. Um, so those... I mean, those are good rabbit spots, but like Jeff said, you got time to rabbit hunt after deer season. Um, when you're looking at squirrel, you know, the squirrels don't really hang out in that stuff. Um, but basically try to identify where your deer bed and stay away from there. Like you said, keep your wind away from there. And I think it kind of depends what your goals are for your deer season. Um, I mean, if you're trying to harvest a very mature whitetail, your best bet would probably be not to small game hunt anywhere near him because those deer are just too smart. <laughs> um, so if you're tromping anywhere around, unless, you know, you got a thousand acres or something, but if you're on any type of a smaller private parcel, any activity, I mean, even checking trail cameras can push those deer onto the neighbors just because they do not like people. Um, so it just kind of depends, I think, what your goals are as to what, if you're just trying to shoot does, 
they're a little more tolerant of people tromping through their bedroom or gunfire. You know, they tend to stick around where what they know. Right. You know, but an, an old wily buck, you know, if you're blasting away at squirrels, he may decide that's enough and just go somewhere else. Want to pause here for a quick second and talk about our other sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. So they are an Ohio deer feed and deer mineral company, and we really like them because we've just had good luck with the product. We've, you know, we've had success with the product where other products haven't worked for us, or we've done some side-by-side comparison, and the deer just seem to favor Monster Whitetail Grub over other stuff. That's not to say other stuff doesn't work, but our experience has been Monster Whitetail Grub typically gives you that that little extra edge and I'll tell you we've seen we've had some some listeners send us some questions or not questions send us some pictures trail camera pictures of after they started using monster whitetail grub and we've seen some monster bucks come in from listener listeners that have started using monster whitetail grub so we like it some of you listeners have been using it and are liking it so if you want to try feed, if, if, if a deer feed is something you use as a hunting strategy, then I would encourage you to try Monster Whitetail Grub. There's a link in the show notes to get a hold of them and buy some of their stuff and give it a try. Now, back to the episode. So that kind of leads me to my next one, which is, is sort of similar to hunting small game on public, is you can use different properties for different needs, right? Like, for example, I've got a property that I only have squirrel permission on, right? There, I could deer hunt there, but there's already people that deer hunt there, and that's a, that's an example of the the front half of the property is more that overgrown kind of brushy. I mean, I could go in there and, and I'm sure find some squirrels, but I know, you know, they told me that that's where the, the deer, I've never met the deer hunters there, but the property only told me that, you know, that's kind of where they focus. And so I stick to the back half of the property and that's all closed canopy, hardwood forest. And so that's, but I only squirrel hunt there. And then I've got other properties, you know, that you guys have heard us talk about or or grandpa's farm and things like that where, um, I deer hunt. And so that, that's another strategy you could use, right? Cause we've talked in the past, a lot of times it's easier to get squirrel permission right yeah you know i don't i don't care if you go back there and shoot some squirrels you know so if you're wanting to get out and do some some squirrel hunting or some small game hunting maybe try to find a different property right and and just knock on some doors ask some people at church at work you know hey you got a couple acres or whatever could i come over and squirrel hunt and there's there's a fairly good chance i would say that that uh you know, as long as they're not like totally mortified, because I've seen some people that have uh, squirrel stickers on the back of their car. So don't, <laughs> I wouldn't ask those people, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they might say, yeah, sure. I don't, you know, come on over and because the one thing I found, this is a little bit of a tangent, but anybody that has, uh, you know, uh, what's substantial, right? Any, but anybody that has like, more than a, a suburb lot, right? They've got a chunk of property. They tend to 
like the outdoors. They they understand the um the 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 circle of life, if you will, right? And they're they're uh, I guess what I'm getting at is somebody doesn't go buy a 15 acre chunk of property just because, right? They they either grew up in the country and they and they like that or maybe they grew up in the city and they and they want to get away from that but they you typically don't just fall into a a big chunk of property or or a piece of property and so they're not going to be totally blown out of the water caught off guard by somebody asking hey can I come a squirrel hunt odds are it's not the first time they've been asked to you know somebody's asked them to come hunt their property in some fashion right so that uh, so that that uh, Jake, what you were saying earlier, that also gave me another one that I jotted down here as you were talking. One thing you could do, and I've not done this because you got to kind of be close to your property to do this. But if it's your own property, you could certainly do this. And uh, Dr. Grant Woods from from Growing Deer talks about this is sort of acclimating your deer. So, you know, he talks about how all summer long they're using trucks and or side-by-sides, tractors, you know, in the food plots. They, they're running trucks up and down the road system. They're going to check trail cameras with trucks or, or side-by-sides. And the deer sort of get used to that level of intrusion. They... You know, it's kind of like deer at the parks, right? Like they know, yeah, okay, these people are going to walk on this trail, but as long as I stay over here, I'm fine. But the minute you step foot off the trail, they're like, oop, that's different. I'm I'm gone sort of thing, right? So you can kind of uh, acclimate your deer to your presence in a sense, you know, by using your vehicle all the time to go check cameras or, you know, he, he and I don't know, like I said, I've not done this Um he talks about using a vehicle to access stands and check cameras versus walking because somebody walking through the woods is danger to a deer, whereas a vehicle is a vehicle, right? As long as I'm, I can sort of bound out of the field or just over this knoll or whatever. And once the vehicle drives off, I'm, you know, come right back out and continue to feed in this food plot. I don't have any, you know, firsthand experience with that, but you could kind of follow the logic and see how that would make sense, right? You can see some, you know, maybe some examples of that, like I said, with deer in like the parks or something, the metro parks or something like that, where they don't so much mind if you, as long as you continue on down the trail and, you know, you don't stop and gawk or whatever, they're, they're fine with, human presence in pretty close proximity but once you start you know maybe approaching the deer then they kind of freak out and get out of there but well if you talk to people that do farming and stuff they'll say that they can drive the fields in their tractor and the deer just stand there and look at them right you know they're like our grandpa's farm for example you talk to the guys that actively farm it they're like oh there's deer everywhere you know we're planting the fields cutting the fields we see 15, 20 deer. Yeah. But then you go out there to hunt it and you don't see any. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So they're clearly used to the tractors 
and that doesn't make them blow out of there. But if you're not careful walking in, you know, you don't see them. You know, that's a good point, too. Like with a tractor, especially, I would think, because in the fall, a, a, a tractor can kind of be like a dinner bell for a deer, right? There's bound to be some spilled grain or some, you know, some stuff that got missed or, you know, whatever, you know. And so hearing a tractor running could almost be, you know, like I said, a dinner bell or or an attractant that it kind of cues a deer like, hey, I should go over and once that noise kind of moves away, I should go over there and see if there's some uh, corn or some beans on the ground over there. Yeah, I mean, that's a hot tip, um, they say, so I've heard, and I've never had the chance to actually do it because I've schedule-wise, but they say the day after the field's harvested, that evening, they the deer pour out for the spilled grain. So, yeah, like, I mean, after they sense. cut the corn, after they cut the beans, like, the 24 hours after that, they say, is the best time to hunt that field because they come out, obviously, the combines are getting more and more effective and spilling less and less but there's still some yep um, so they say that's a very good hunting strategy especially if you're hunting ag fields or ag land yeah so any I, i've got one more on my list do you guys have any any others do we want to cover before or have we covered it pretty well well i wanted to kind of cover a common misconception um, I've, I can't count how many times I've heard the story of, you know, the big bucks are in the woods or, you know, in the oak flats, you know, until, uh, squirrel season starts and those darn squirrel hunters, you know, come in and push the, the deer into the thicker stuff. Yeah. And that's more or less a misconception that because also right around that same time that squirrel season starts uh antlers start start to harden and bucks prefer open areas when they're in velvet because velvet antlers are very tender like they they can't be hitting those on branches and you know they're they have there's a lot of uh nerves in that velvet and they're very very tender to the deer so they can't really be in thick cover so it's more or less that the antlers are going hard and they can get into the thick cover and has a whole lot less to do with that there's squirrel hunters in the woods because there's really not that many squirrel hunters out there yeah not anymore yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, like you said, they that that's living tissue on the antlers, right? And so they can't be, you know, with with you know, uh, tissue that's hardening off, calcifying, you know, hardening off into bone underneath. And so it's, uh, yeah, I've heard I've read that too. That you know they don't like to be banging their antlers into stuff when they're in velvet. Yeah, and I mean, I've seen it firsthand where I have trail camera photos of large bucks in open timber, and I know there's not squirrel hunters going into those woods, but the bucks disappear, you know, right around the beginning of September, you know, mid-September, 
And yeah, I mean, people, because they're using a different part of their range. Right. People talk about that shift, right? When the when the antlers when they go hard horn, there's a shift, right? Like you said, they they move into a different area, and then I've also heard people talk, you know, like in crop country, right? You when the crops come out, there can be another shift, right? They've they've had cover from a cornfield, food, you know, from soybeans or whatever nearby. And when all that stuff comes out, now it's sort of a barren wasteland for for a deer once the spilled grain gets cleaned up. And so they shift to a different part of their habitat, their their you know, their home range. So my last one is uh and this kind of goes back to, to Jacob's statement about, you know, hunting big giant bucks, mature bucks, is uh just don't worry about it. Right. I mean, just if you want to hunt a specific deer and, you know, you want to shoot the biggest deer in the area, then, yeah, you probably need to worry about it. And you don't want to be tromping through your best deer areas. But if you just want to go deer hunt and small game hunt, then just go go small game hunt. And you're, I mean, the deer aren't just going to like totally avoid the area for the entire season. Right. If you go out, I mean, if you're out there every day and then like in the morning you're squirrel hunting and in the evening you're, you're deer hunting. Yeah. Okay. You know, that might cause you issues, but squirrel one week, one weekend and deer hunt the next, there'll be deer around, there'll be does around. Just, you know, just go hunt. I think, uh, I don't know. I want to, I, don't get me wrong. I like shooting big giant bucks, but. I just think we've kind of gone too far to the, you know, on, on the big giant bucks scale, right? Everybody's so focused on big giant bucks. I, I, you know, I'd kind of like to see the pendulum swing back a little bit where, you know, it's more about just going out and having fun and, you know, shooting something that gets you excited, but maybe it's not the biggest deer in the county or, you know. And so I guess that's my my last tip is just don't worry about it. Go hunt, have fun thoughts. I mean, I would, I would agree with you. I mean, like you said, if you're, if you got a 200 incher on trail camera and you have, think you have a chance of him sticking around, you might not want to go squirrel hunt, but outside of that, I mean, it hunting is hunting. I don't know if you do it right. I guess you probably could use small game hunting to your advantage. Because if you small game hunt somewhere and push the deer somewhere else, that might give you a better chance to get them at a different part of your property. Right. You know, I mean, you got to kind of think about it. And if you are someone who hunts public land, as we've said before, um, hunting public land is more hunting in the sense of what other people are doing versus what the animals are doing. So if you're someone who hunts public land, you know, and you know that people small game hunt, Think about the common areas, like you said, the big oak flats, the stuff like that, where they're going to be looking for squirrels and don't focus your deer time, you know, try to get away from those places. Yep. But, um, I'm with you. I think people need to get back to just hunting. Um, the, like you said, don't get me wrong. I love big giant bucks. Just like the next guy. I like seeing pictures. I like seeing them. I like shooting them, whatever. Um, but I think 
as a whole, we need people to get back to just hunting, enjoying the outdoors, having fun in order to continue to keep this passion of ours strong and thriving because yep. we're losing members, you know, we're losing people because it's not fun anymore because everybody's trying to, you know, shoot the big giant bucks. And if you don't shoot big giant bucks, you're no hunter. Right. You know, and we got to get that attitude changed because the reality is not that many guys shoot, you know, 170, 180 plus inch bucks. It's just not realistic. Yeah. It, there's not that many around, right? I mean, right. They're, they're, they're exciting because they're rare, right? So, I mean, even with good management, they're going to be rare just from a, a, a uh, uh, what, what am I trying to say? Like a, a, a population dynamic, right? You're going to have the most year and a half year olds, right? Cause they're, they've had less time to get, get sick and die, get hit by a car, get killed by whatever, a coyote, you know, break their leg, whatever the case or, or shot by a hunter. Right. And so you, it's just, there's just not that many around. So if everybody's trying to shoot the biggest giantest deer then you go years without shooting a deer and that's right. no fun that's no, <laughs> right right that is no fun i just it blows my mind to hear people and i guess i mean if that's all they're after is big bucks that's good for them but it blows my mind to hear people say that they ate their tags they didn't shoot any deer it's like you've got to be kidding me i just I mean I I would rather have them buying a tag and eating it than not buying a tag. Yeah, yeah, that's but, true. But if if buying a tag and eating it year after year starts to wear on you and you're like, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore, then that's when I have issue. You know, I don't have a problem if, if a guy just wants to hunt mature deer and that's his thing and he buys a tag every year, more power to you. But if you're doing that because that's what you see on TV and, and you start thinking, man, this is an awful lot of work and an awful lot of money and I never have anything to show for it. Hey man, lower your standards. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. All right, guys. Well, this is a little shorter one. So hopefully you guys like this episode. Like I said, it was, you know, it was a conversation that we were having amongst the three of us and thought, well, why don't we, why don't we record this and, and share it as an episode? So next week, I think, will be an episode with Mike Tonkovich from the Division of Wildlife. He's the, he's the deer program administrator, so that should be a good one. So make sure you tune in next week for that episode. And, uh, yeah, good conversation. All right. So, like I said, hopefully you found that helpful. Hopefully there's some good tips in there for you. And... Like I said at the beginning, hopefully you've had some success on opening weekend. If you did, send us your pictures. We want to see them. We want to, We want this to kind of be a community where, where we can all share hunting stories and, and share successes, share lessons learned, uh, share failures, right? I mean, people can learn from, from our mistakes. So that's one thing, you know, we, we try to be pretty transparent about things that we've done well and, and things that you know, we could have done better. So hopefully you guys uh, maybe don't repeat some of the same mistakes we do. So send us your photos, send us your stories. We can repost them if you want. 
uh, you know, let us know in the post if it's something that, that uh, you'd be okay with us sharing to the rest of the community or just get involved in the Ohio Huntsman Facebook community and share your, your photos and your stories yourself. That's another great way to get in touch with the community of, of Ohio Huntsmen throughout the state. So with that, I think that's it. Like I said, good luck in the deer woods and, and any other hunting you're doing this fall. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.